gracious God, we know that you're here with us, that you are empowering our worship. So God, we pray that you'd open us up, open our ears and our eyes, our hearts and our minds, that we might hear a word from you. God, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we're starting a new series this morning. It's called Work in Progress. Uh, there's obviously a lot of work in progress around our building. If you tried to get here this morning by some uh, door that was closed, uh, you've noticed that. Uh, but the real focus in this series is how, how each of us is a work in progress. God is always working on us and in us. We are always growing in love of God and in love of neighbor, always growing in our faith and in our following of Jesus. So over the course of these next several weeks, we're going to give some status updates. We're going to show some pictures of the work that's happening behind construction walls, but we're also going to talk about how we are being made new. How each of us is created anew in Christ. That's God's work in us. And we're starting this morning with Proverbs chapter 11. The text is printed in your bulletin. It's going to be on the screen as well. It's three verses long, the first three verses of chapter 11. Listen to what God has to say. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but an accurate weight is his delight. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but wisdom is with the humble. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. How do you want to be remembered? How do you want to be remembered? I mean, when you die, how do you want to be remembered? What is it that you hope people will say about you at your funeral? I don't mean to be morbid here on Sunday morning, but I think about this sometimes. As a pastor, I pretty regularly get called upon to do funerals, and and people who aren't pastors often think that this must be terrible, that it must be an awful part of the job, but nothing could be further from the truth. Now, there's no morning that I wake up hoping, oh, I hope we have a bunch of funerals this week, because there's so much grief that's involved for the families, but it's an an amazing privilege to be invited into the lives of families when they're vulnerable, when they're transparent, and, and to get to be part of the grieving and the healing process. But what happens when you sit down and plan a funeral for someone who's died and and craft a worship service that gives thanks to God for the life they lived is is you start by talking about some of the details. You know, the the songs we'll sing, the the scriptures we'll read. And there's always a time that, that I want the family to just talk to just tell stories about the person they loved, to to paint a picture of that person. And this happens every time, 100% of the time. The family members who gather in my office or in some place like it, they never want to tell me what the person did or what the person achieved or, or what jobs they had. They always want to tell me who they were. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because while we're alive, we spend a lot of time thinking about the doing and the achieving side of things. We work really hard to get the next promotion, to close the next deal, to build the next business, to set the next record, whatever it is. We spend a lot of time thinking about how much money we make and and what kind of car we drive and whether our house is big enough and whether our not quite big enough house is in the right neighborhood. But, but, But when I sit down with a grieving family, 
We never talk about that stuff. They want to tell me, they want me to know that dad was kind and faithful, that mom was generous and honest. They they don't want to talk about how mom was the CFO, how dad always had the best sales reports. They want to talk about who they were. And sometimes this is funny because it's a big family gathering and the cousins will say, oh, you know, aunt so-and-so, she was just the nicest person and her kids are sitting right next to me and their mouths will drop open and their eyes will squint at their cousins and they'll be like, are you kidding me? Mom? She was a taskmaster. She was impossible to get along with. Mom was not nice, but she always had our back. I knew that whenever I needed her, she would be there. You know, even if they can't agree on what to say or how to say it, they always want to talk about who she was, about who he was, about character. So how do you want to be remembered? Nobody says, I want to be remembered for the stuff I achieved, for the money I made. Nobody ever says, you know, Sean, when you do my funeral, tell him my salary. Tell them about my promotions. Tell them about how many bedrooms our house had. Tell, us, tell them how many acres we owned. Nobody ever says that because we want to be remembered not for what we have or what we've done, but for who we are. So why don't we spend more time on who we are? Why don't we spend more time on that? Why, why do we spend more time on what we do than on who we are? Why don't we spend more time on our character and less time on our accomplishments? We're going to try to do that over these next several weeks here in worship. And, and that's part of what our fi- fall Bible study will do too, to spend time thinking about and working on our character, who we are. You've maybe heard this definition of character. Character is doing what is right, even if no one else is looking. I like that, but I think it's kind of incomplete for our purposes, so I want to add to it a little bit, create a working definition of character for this series. So let's have character be this. Character is doing what is right as defined by God. That's important, even if no one else is looking even if it will cost you, even if you don't know how it's going to work out. That's character. I've been reading this book on character. It's called Road to Character by a guy named David Brooks. In it, he talks about just what we're talking about this morning. And he makes this distinction between resume virtues and eulogy virtues. Resume virtues are those things you put on your resume, where you worked, what you know how to do, the salary level you're at, those kinds of things. The the things you know how to do, the things you've accomplished, the eulogy virtues, those are the things you want people to remember about you. Those are the things you want people to say at your funeral. He was kind, he was generous, he was honest. He tried to live a good life for God. It's the difference between what you accomplish and who you are. The challenge is that our whole world, our whole world is set up to help us with the resume virtues, to help us with the external stuff. Our school systems, our corporate ladders, they're all built to help us build a resume, to achieve more and accomplish more, to get more. But, but deep down at the end of the day, we want to be remembered for who we are, not what we've done. We want to be remembered for our character. And we all know that character is important. And I know we know that character is important because of how quick we are to judge someone else's character. Jesus talks about this. 
We've got a habit of trying to pick specks out of other people's eyes when there's this great big log jammed into our own eye. We, we love to criticize other people's characters. And more than that, we love to listen to other folks criticize someone else's character. So Houston, our great city, is going to host the next Democratic debate, and something like 20 million people in the United States are going to tune in to watch it. Why? Because we want to hear what they're going to say about each other, and we want to hear what they're going to say about the president or the Senate or the Republicans or, or whoever. This is why talk radio is so popular. This is why Judge Judy is the highest rated TV show, because we want to see her point out the character flaws and the mistakes that someone else has made. But I'm going to venture to guess that not one candidate who's on the debate stage in a couple of weeks, not one candidate will walk off the stage and think, you know, I really need to work on me. I really need to work on my character. And I've never turned off an episode of Judge Judy thinking, I really should do some self-searching. I should really think about my character. No, we don't do that. I'm way better at recognizing character flaws in other people. We all are. But at some point, Christians have to decide. We've got a decision to make. What's going to be most important to us? Is the thing that's going to be most important to us the resume virtues, the things we can accomplish in life? Or, or is something else going to be more important? Those eulogy virtues, the internal thing, our character and who we are. Now, let's just assume, let's imagine that the sermon works this morning and that you're feeling convicted by that, that you're going to walk out of this room this morning, uh, walk, leave church today and think, yeah, I'm going to start working on my character. I'm going to dig deep into why I make the choices I make. I'm going I'm to make sure that I'm remembered for who I am, not for what I've done. Well, well, let's say that that's true. Where would you even go to do that? What class are you going to take online to help you work on your character? What, what conference will you go to? What store are you going to go to where you can find some character, some eulogy virtues? This is the problem. This is the problem. There are hundreds, thousands of online trainings and courses and stores and conferences that we can go to to help us build our resumes, to help us be more productive and accomplish more. There's nowhere to go to build our character have you ever been to the Galleria or any other shopping mall? The, the whole place is to help, built to help you with the external stuff, your clothes, your nails, your shoes, how you smell. There are stores, whole stores and portions of stores designed to help you smell better. Come in here. We will help you smell better. The external stuff. Where do you go for the internal stuff? The character for the next several weeks, we're going to dig into that because God has something to say about character. Character is important to God, and I'm convinced that God cares a whole lot more about our character than about our accomplishments. And I'm also convinced that what our world needs, what our world needs desperately, and what our city needs desperately, and what our church needs desperately is people with character, people who do what's right as God dis defines right, even if no one else is looking, even if it costs us, even if we don't know how it will end up. So we read a piece of scripture this morning from Proverbs. Proverbs is a book of wisdom collected by and written by King Solomon. He was one of the great kings of Israel, and one of the reasons he was so great was because of his wisdom. 
But as you dig in, you, just, you, you, you learn that it's not his wisdom, it's God's wisdom. The whole book of Proverbs is filled with God's wisdom. And Proverbs 11 is where we start, and it starts pointing us to God's appreciation for character. So listen to what Solomon says is important to God. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but an accurate weight is his delight. And another way to say this might be God hates a dishonest scale. Now, this is the difference between me and God, at least one of them, because I love a dishonest scale. If I get onto a scale and it says that I weigh less than I know I weigh, I want to keep that scale and I don't want to fix it because I love a dishonest scale as long as it works out in my favor. It makes me feel good. We love dishonest scales when they benefit us. Solomon says that God hates dishonest scales. And what he's talking about is, is the ancient way of doing commerce, the ancient way of purchasing things. You know, people didn't have uh, credit cards or cash like we carry around sometimes. When they wanted to make a transaction at the market, they, they would take out a little bag of silver or some other precious metal or stone, and they would uh, have the merchant would have a scale. And, and on one side of the scale, the merchant would put a stone that was supposed to weigh a set amount. And you'd put all your silver on the other side of the scale until they balanced out, and that's how much you knew how to pay for something. Uh, but there was a lot of trickery involved because if you were the merchant, you could put on whatever size rock you wanted and say, oh no, this is how much that costs. And you could put on a heavy rock or put your finger on the scale and you could tip it down and you'd never get caught. You could be dishonest and never get caught. And God, Solomon says that God hates it when you're dishonest, even when you know you're not going to get caught, even when it benefits you. God hates it when people just get away with stuff that's not right. God likes honest scales because it's the right thing to do. And not only that, God delights in honesty. God delights in honesty. Don't you want God to delight in you? God delights in those who choose to do right because it's right. Not because there's some payoff at the end. They do what's right because it's the right thing to do. And God loves that. God delights in that. The second thing that Solomon says is, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But wisdom is with the humble. I want to be wise. Don't you want to be wise? We've got decisions to make every day, and I'd like to have some wisdom for doing that. What school should I go to? I'd like some wisdom to answer that question. Should we move? Should we not move? Should we send our kid to that school or that school? We want to have some wisdom. Every day, we need wisdom. What should we do with our money? We need wisdom. This is the thing they want me to do at work. Should I do it? We need wisdom. And Solomon says, okay, I get it. You need wisdom. Let me tell you who God gives wisdom to. God gives wisdom to the humble. And by humble, he means those who view themselves through God's lens, not through their own lens. In other words, to be humble means to recognize that everything you've achieved, you did so only because God has given you the tools that have helped you to do well in the first place. Everything we've ever achieved is because God has given us a particular measure of grace a particular measure of skill and gifts and geography and education and all these things, that's humility. When you start looking at all the stuff you do through the lens of what God has done for you, Solomon knows we need wisdom. Solomon knows we're facing a ton of decisions, and he says, let me help you. God gives wisdom to the humble. 
David Brooks, the author of this book on character that I was talking about, he, he talks in his book about this vivid memory he has of listening to a radio program in his car. He, he pulls into his driveway. The program's not over yet, uh, and, and it's not a podcast, so he can't take it in with him. It's like actual radio, and so he sits in his driveway, has a little driveway moment to hear the end of the program, and it's this old, old public radio show called Command Performance. They're replaying a show from August 15th, 1945. That's a date that history buffs will know. August 15th, 1945, it was VJ Day, Victory in Japan Day. That's the day the Allies won World War II. So he's listening to this celebration show after uh, the war is won, and there are all these celebrities on the program. Frank, Frank Sinatra, Bing Crosby, a bunch of famous people. And the thing that really caught him was how humble all these famous, well-known people were the day we won a war. It's like they weren't celebrating and they weren't congratulating each other. They weren't patting themselves on the back. They didn't even know what to say. What do you say when you win a war? Maybe, they said, maybe we should just thank God. The tone was of such humility. And then David Brooks turns off the program, turns off his car, he goes inside when the show is over and the TV's on and somebody's watching an NFL game and he sees this great celebration going on, a guy celebrating, dancing like crazy. Why? Because he just gained two yards on a passing play. That's the kind of world we live in. We crave fame and recognition and we want to dance and celebrate. When we gain two yards, that's not humility. That's not humility. We need wisdom to do well the things we want to do well. And Solomon says, okay, I get it. You need wisdom. God wants to give you wisdom. Here's how God distributes wisdom. God gives wisdom to the humble. And the third thing Solomon says, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. The integrity, the character of the upright guides them. It tells them where to go. It tells them what to do next. Almost every day, somebody will ask me something that boils down to, how do I know what God wants me to do? Can you help me understand what God wants me to do? I think about that all the time. What does God want me to do? And it feels like such a big question. We ask it like, what does God want me to do? With my, We think about God as big and, and our life as big. What, this is big question, but I think we've made it bigger than God intended it to be. We imagine we're supposed to uncover some grand, perfect, detailed, perfectly laid out plan or pathway that God has in mind for us. And Solomon says, no, it's not that hard. What God wants you to do, what God wants you to do is be honest and be humble and have good character. God doesn't want you to go up on a mountain somewhere and and sit there until you discover God's grand plan for your life. You figure out God's plan for you. You figure out where God is leading you by doing the right thing over and over and over. The right thing as defined by God, even if no one else is watching, even if it'll cost you, even if they laugh at you, even if you don't know where it'll lead. Now here's the good news. Here's the good news. God knows that you're a work in progress. God knows that you're not perfect. God's okay with that. There's not one person in the Bible, not one person uh, from our faith heroes and heroines who was born deeply formed with flawless character, who did everything perfect every time and their life just got better and better. No, all the people in Bible, all the heroes of our faith, they were all people who made mistakes, got it wrong, failed, fell backwards. They were all works in progress just like us. That's the good news. The really good news is that having character, 
being the person that God wants you to be does not mean working harder. And it doesn't mean buckling down for longer, and it doesn't mean putting more pressure on yourself than you already do. No, because having character, being the person God wants you to be, it turns out it doesn't start with you. Character doesn't start with you. The character God wants you to have starts with Christ. Character starts with Christ, God's own Son who was like us in every way and perfect in every way. God's own Son who was tempted just like we are but doesn't sin at all. And the great mystery, the great gift of God, the really, really good news is that Christ can live in you. Actually, what the Bible says is that Christ will dwell in you. Christ will abide in you. Christ will make his home in you. And everything about him, everything that he is will fill you. It will fill you and flow out from you such that Christ's character becomes your character. And when people look at you, they see Christ. How do you want to be remembered? How do you want to be remembered? My prayer is that a million years from now when they plan my funeral, when, when a million years when you and your loved ones sit down to plan your funeral, my prayer is that they will say, I knew Christ and that you knew Christ. What I want them to talk about when they plan our funerals is that Christ lived in me and Christ lived in you and we tried to do what was right for the Lord. That's character. And that's where we'll pick up again next week. So let's go to God in prayer. God, we're so glad for all you're doing in our lives. And God, we're grateful for the wisdom that you give to us in the Bible. For people like Solomon and all the people who have come before us who we know weren't perfect, who were works in progress just like we are. And God, we're so grateful that you kept working on them just as you keep working on us. So God, today we pray that as we gather around this table and as you send us out into the world that you would give us wisdom that you would keep us honest and humble, that you would show us how to have good character, the character of Christ. For God, we know that it's by faith that he lives in us, that he will transform us, and through us, your world will be transformed. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.